Section 2, Book 10, Part 2 of the Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 2, From My Life, Poetry and Truth, by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, translated by John Oxford, 1812, date in 77, Book 10, Part 2. Let us now, however, withdraw ourselves from the sick chamber of friendship, and from the general considerations which refer rather to disorder than to health of mind let us betake ourselves into the open air to the lofty and broad gallery of the minster as if the time was still present when we young fellows often appointed an evening meeting to greet the departing sun with brimming goblets here all conversation was lost in the contemplation of the country here sharpness of eyesight was put to the proof and every one strove to perceive nay plainly to distinguish the most distant objects good telescopes were employed to assist us and one friend after another exactly pointed out the spot which had become the most dear and precious to him and i also did not lack such a little spot which although it did not come out with importance in the landscape nevertheless more than all the rest attracted me with an amiable magic on these occasions the imagination was excited by relating our adventures and several little jaunts were concerted nay often undertaken on the spur of the moment of which i will circumstantially relate only one instead of a number since in many respects it was of consequence to me with two worthy friends and fellow-boarders engelbach and weiland both natives of lower alsace i repaired on horseback to sabern where in the fine weather the friendly little place smiled pleasantly upon us the sight of the bishop's castle awakened our admiration the extent height and splendour of a new set of stables bore witness to the other comforts of the owner the gorgeousness of the staircase surprised us the chambers and saloons we trod with reverence only the person of the cardinal a little wreck of a man whom we saw at table made a contrast the view of the garden is splendid and a canal three-quarters of a league long which leads straight up to the middle of the castle gives a high idea of the taste and resources of the former possessors we rambled up and down there and enjoyed many parts of this beautifully situated hole which lies on the outskirts of the magnificent plain of alsace at the foot of the vosges after we had enjoyed ourselves at this clerical outpost of a royal power and had made ourselves comfortable in its region we arrived early next morning at a public work which most nobly opens the entrance into a mighty kingdom illumined by the beams of the rising sun the famous sabern stairs a work of incredible labour rose before us a road built serpentine-wise over the most fearful crags and wide enough for three wagons abreast 
leads uphill so gently that the ascent is scarcely perceptible the hardness and smoothness of the way the flat-topped elevations on both sides for the foot passengers the stone channels to lead off the mountain water all are executed as neatly as artistically and durably so that they afford a satisfactory view thus one gradually arrives at Falzburg, a modern fortification it lies on a moderate hill the works are elegantly built on blackish rocks and of the same kind of stone and the joinings being pointed out with white mortar show exactly the size of the square stones and give a striking proof of neat workmanship we found the place itself as is proper for a fortress regular built of stone and the church in good taste when we wandered through the streets it was nine o'clock on a sunday morning we heard music they were already waltzing in the tavern to their heart's content and as the inhabitants did not suffer themselves to be disturbed in their pleasures by the great scarcity nay by the threatened famine so also our youthful cheerfulness was not at all troubled when the baker on the road refused us some bread and directed us to the tavern where perhaps we might procure provisions at the usual place we now very willingly rode down the Zabern stairs again to gaze at this architectural wonder a second time and to enjoy once more the refreshing prospect over alsace we soon reached buchsweiler where friend weiland had prepared for us a good reception to a fresh youthful mind the condition of a small town is well suited family connections are closer and more perceptible domestic life which with moderate activity moves hither and thither between light official duties town business agriculture and gardening invites us to a friendly participation sociableness is necessary and the stranger finds himself very pleasantly situated in the limited circles if the disputes of the inhabitants which in such places are more palpable do not everywhere come in contact with him this little town was the chief place of the county of hanau lichtenberg belonging to the landgrave of Darmstadt under French sovereignty. A regency and board of officers established here made the place an important centre-point of a very beautiful and desirable principality. We easily forgot the unequal streets and the irregular architecture of the place when we went out to look at the old castle and the gardens which are excellently laid out on a hill. Numerous little pleasure woods are preserved for tame and wild pheasants and the relics of many similar arrangements showed how pleasant this little residence must formerly have been yet all these views were surpassed by the prospect which met the eye when from the neighbouring Barschberg one looked over the perfectly paradisical region this height 
wholly heaped together out of different kinds of shells attracted my attention for the first time to such documents of antiquity i had never before seen them together in so great a mass yet the curious eye soon turned itself exclusively to the landscape you stand on the last landward mountain point american note that is towards germany germany is the land by preeminence towards the north lies a fruitful plain interspersed with little forests and bounded by a stern row of mountains that stretches itself westward toward Sabea, where the episcopal palace and the abbey of st john lying a league beyond it may be plainly recognized thence the eye follows the more and more vanishing chain of the vosges towards the south if you turn to the north-east you see the castle of lichtenberg upon a rock and towards the south-east the eye has the boundless plain of alsace to scrutinize which afar off withdraws itself from the sight in the more and more misty landscape until at last the swabian mountains melt away like shadows into the horizon already in my limited wanderings through the world i had remarked how important it is in travelling to inquire after the course of the waters and even to ask with respect to the smallest brook whither in reality it runs one thus acquires a general survey of every stream region in which one happens to be a conception of the heights and depths which bear relation to each other and by these leading lines which assist the contemplation as well as the memory extricates oneself in the surest manner from the geological and political labyrinth with these observations i took a solemn farewell of my beloved alsace as the next morning we meant to turn our steps towards lorraine the evening passed away in familiar conversation in which we tried to cheer ourselves up under a joyless present by remembrances of a better past here as in the whole of this small country the name of the last count reinhardt von hanau was blessed above all others his great understanding and aptitude had appeared in all his actions and many a beautiful memorial of his existence yet remained such men have the advantage of being double benefactors once to the present which they make happy and then to the future the feeling of which and courage they nourish and sustain now as we turned ourselves northwestward into the mountains passed by lützerstein an old mountain tower in very hilly country and descended into the region of the czar and the moselle the heavens began to lower as if they would render yet more sensible to us the condition of the more rugged western country the valley of the czar where we first found bochenheim a small place and saw opposite to it neuzarwerden which is well built with a pleasure castle is bordered on both sides by mountains which might be called melancholy if at their foot an endless succession of meadows and fields called the hunau 
did not extend as far as Sar Albe and beyond it, further than the eye can reach. Great buildings belonging to the former stables of the Duke of Lorraine here attract the eye. They are at present used as a dairy, for which purpose indeed they are very well situated. We passed through Zagmun to Zabruk, and this little residence was a bright point in a land so rocky and woody. The town, small and hilly, but well adorned by the last prince, makes at once a pleasing impression, as the houses are all painted a greyish-white, and the different elevation of them affords a variegated view. In the middle of a beautiful square surrounded with handsome buildings stands the Lutheran church, on a small scale, but in proportion with the whole. The front of the castle lies on the same level with the town, the back, on the contrary, on the declivity of a steep rock. This has not only been worked out terrace fashion to afford easy access to the valley, but an oblong garden plot has also been obtained below by turning off the stream on one side and cutting away the rock on the other, after which this whole space was first filled up with earth and planted. The time of this undertaking fell in the epoch when they used to consult the architects about laying out gardens, just as at present they call in the aid of the landscape painter's eye. The whole arrangement of the castle, the costly and the agreeable, the rich and the ornamental, betokened a life-enjoying owner such as the deceased prince had been. The present sovereign was not at home. President von Gunderode received us in the most obliging manner and entertained us for three days better than we had a right to expect. I made use of the various acquaintance which we formed to instruct myself in many respects. The life of the former prince, rich in pleasure, gave material enough for conversation, as well as the various expedients which he hit upon to make use of the advantages supplied by the nature of his land. Here I was now properly initiated into the interest for mountain countries and the love for those economical and technical investigations which have busied me a great part of my life was first awakened within me. We heard of the rich coal pits at Dutweil, of the iron and alum works, and even of a burning mountain, and we prepared ourselves to see these wonders close. We now rode through the woody mountains which must seem wild and dreary to him who comes out of a magnificent fertile land, and which can attract us only by the internal contents of its bosom. We were made acquainted with one simple and one complicated piece of machinery within a short distance of each other, namely a scythe smithy and a wire drawing factory. If one is pleased at the first, because it supplies the place of common hands, one cannot sufficiently admire the other, for it works in a higher organic sense, from which understanding and consciousness are scarcely to be separated. 
in the alum works we made accurate inquiries after the production and purifying of this so necessary material and when we saw great heaps of a white greasy loose earthy matter and asked the use of it the labourers answered smiling that it was the scum thrown up in boiling the alum and that herr stauf had it collected as he hoped perchance to turn it to some profit is herr stauf alive yet exclaimed my companion in surprise they answered in the affirmative and assured us that according to the plan of our journey we should not pass far from his lonely dwelling our road now led up along the channels by which the alum water is conducted down and the principal horizontal works stollen which they call the land grube and from which the famous dutweil coals are procured these when they are dry have the blue colour of darkly tarnished steel and the most beautiful succession of rainbow tints plays over the surface with every movement the deep abysses of the coal pits however attracted us so much the less as their contents lay richly poured out around us we now reached the open mine in which the roasted alum scales are steeped in lye and soon after a strange occurrence surprised us although we had been prepared we entered into a chasm and found ourselves in the region of the burning mountain a strong smell of sulphur surrounded us one side of the cavity was almost red-hot covered with reddish stone burnt white thick fumes arose from the crevices and we felt the heat of the ground through our strong boot soles an event so accidental for it is not known how this place became ignited affords a great advantage for the manufacture of alum since the alum scales of which the surface of the mountain consists lie there perfectly roasted and may be steeped in a short time and very well the whole chasm had arisen by the calcined scales being gradually removed and used up we clambered up out of this depth and were on the top of the mountain a pleasant beech grove encircled the spot which followed up to the chasm and extended itself on both sides of it many trees stood already dried up some were withering near others which as yet quite fresh felt no forebodings of that fierce heat which was approaching and threatening their roots also upon this space different openings were steaming others had already done smoking and this fire had thus smouldered for ten years already through old broken-up pits and horizontal shafts with which the mountain is undermined it may too have penetrated to the clefts through new coal beds for some hundred paces further into the wood they had contemplated following up manifest indications of an abundance of coal but they had not excavated far before a strong smoke burst out against the labourers and dispersed them the opening was filled up again 
yet we found the place still smoking as we went on our way past it to the residence of our hermit-like chemist this lies amid mountains and woods the valleys there take very various and pleasing windings the soil round about is black and of the coal kind and strata of it frequently come in sight a coal philosopher philosophus per ignem as they said formerly could scarcely have settled himself more suitably we came before a small house not inconvenient for a dwelling and found herr staff who immediately recognized my friend and received him with lamentations about the new government indeed we could see from what he said that the alum works as well as many other well-meant establishments on account of external and perhaps internal circumstances also did not pay their expenses with much else of the sort he belonged to the chemists of that time who with a hearty feeling for all that could be done with the products of nature took delight in abstruse investigations of trifles and secondary matters and with their insufficient knowledge were not dexterous enough to do that from which properly economical and mercantile profit is to be derived thus the use which he promised himself from that scum lay very far in the distance thus he had nothing to show but a cake of salamoniac with which the burning mountain had supplied him ready and glad to communicate his complaints to a human ear the lean decrepit little man with a shoe on one foot and a slipper on the other and with stockings hanging down and repeatedly pulled up in vain dragged himself up the mountain to where the resin house stands which he himself had erected and now with great grief sees falling to ruins here was found a connected row of furnaces where coal was to be cleansed of sulphur and made fit for use in ironworks but at the same time they wished also to turn the oil and resin to account nay they would not even lose the soot and thus all failed together on account of the many ends in view during the lifetime of the former prince the business had been carried on in the spirit of an amateur and in hope now they asked for the immediate use which was not to be shown after we left our adept to his solitude we hastened for it was now late to the glass-house in friedrichsthal where we became acquainted on our way with one of the most important and most wonderful operations of human ingenuity nevertheless some pleasant adventures and a surprising firework at nightfall not far from neukirch interested us young fellows almost more than these important experiences for as a few nights before on the banks of the czar shining clouds of glow-worms hovered around us betwixt rock and thicket so now these spark-spitting forges played their sprightly firework towards us we passed in the depth of night the smelting-houses situated in the bottom of the valley 
and were delighted with the strange half-gloom of these dens of plank, which are but dimly lighted by a little opening in the glowing furnace. The noise of the water and of the bellows driven by it, the fearful whizzing and shrieking of the blast of air which, raging into the smelted ore, stuns the ears and confuses the senses, drove us away at last to turn into Neukirch, which is built up against the mountain. But notwithstanding all the variety and fatigue of the day, I could find no rest here. I left my friend to a happy sleep, and sought the hunting-seat, which lay still further up. It looks out far over mountain and wood, the outlines of which were only to be recognised against the clear night sky, but the sides and depths of which were impenetrable to my sight. This well-preserved building stood as empty as it was lonely. No castellan, no huntsman was to be found. I sat before the great glass doors upon the steps which run round the whole terrace. Here, surrounded by mountains, over a forest-grown dark soil which seemed yet darker in contrast with the clear horizon of a summer night, with the glowing starry vault above me, I sat for a long time by myself on the deserted spot, and thought I had never felt such a solitude. How sweetly, then, was I surprised by the distant sound of a couple of French horns, which at once, like the fragrance of balsam, enlivened the peaceful atmosphere. Then there awakened within me the image of a lovely being, which had retired into the background before the motley objects of these travelling days, but which now unveiled itself more and more and drove me from the spot back to my quarters, where I made preparations to set off with the earliest. The return was not used like the journey out. Thus we hurried through Zweibrücken, de Pont, which, as a beautiful and notable residence, might well have deserved our attention. We cast a glance upon the great simple castle on the extensive esplanades regularly planted with linden trees and very well adapted for the training of racehorses and on the large stables and citizens houses which the prince had built to be raffled for all this as well as the costume and manners of the inhabitants especially of the matrons and maids had reference to a distant connection, and made plainly visible the relation with Paris, from which for a long time nothing trans-Renane had been able to withdraw itself. We visited also the ducal wine-cellars situated before the city, which are extensive and furnished with large well-made tuns. We went on further, and at last found the country like that in the neighbourhood of Zabrut. Between wild and savage mountains are a few villages. One here gets rid of the habit of looking about for corn. We mounted up by the side of the Hornbach to Bitch, 
which lies on the important spot where the waters divide and fall, a part into the Tsar, a part into the Rhine. These last were soon to attract us towards them. Yet we could not refuse our attention to the little city of Beach, which very picturesquely winds around the mountain, nor to the fortress which lies above. This is partly built on rocks and partly hewn out of them. The subterraneous chambers are particularly worthy of remark. Here is not only space sufficient for the abode of a number of men and cattle, but one even lights upon large vaults for the drilling of troops, a mill, a chapel, and whatever else could be required underground, provided the surface were in a state of disturbance. We now followed the down-rushing brooks through Berenthal. The thick forests on both the heights remain unused by the hand of man. Here trunks of trees lie rotting on each other by thousands, and young scions sprout up without number from their half-moulded progenitors. Here, in conversation with some companions on foot, the name von Dieterich again struck our ears, which we had often heard honourably mentioned already in these woody regions. The activity and cleverness of this man, his wealth, and the use and applications of it, all seemed in proportion. He could with justice take delight in the acquisitions which he increased, and enjoy the profits he secured. The more I saw of the world, the more pleasure I took, not only in the universally famous names, but in those also especially, which were mentioned in particular regions with reverence and love. And thus I easily learned here by a few questions that von Dieterich, earlier than others, had known how to make successful use of the mountain treasures, iron, coal, and wood and had worked his way to an ever-growing opulence. Niederbrunn, where we now arrived, was a new proof of this. He had purchased this little place from the Count of Leinigen and other part-owners to erect important ironworks in the place. Here in these baths, already founded by the Romans, floated around me the spirit of antiquity, venerable relics of which in fragments of bas-reliefs and inscriptions, capitals and shafts, shone out strangely towards me from farmhouses, amid household lumber and furniture. As we were ascending the adjacent Vasenburg also, I paid my respects to a well-preserved inscription which discharged a thankful vow to Mercury, and is situated upon the great mass of rock which forms the base of the hill on one side. The fortress itself lies on the last mountain looking from Beach towards Germany. It is the ruin of a German castle built upon Roman remains. From the tower the whole of Alsace was once more surveyed, and the conspicuous minster spire pointed out the situation of Strasbourg. First of all, however, 
the great forest of Hagenau extended itself, and the towers of this town peered plainly from behind. I was attracted thither. We rode through Reichshof, where von Dietrich built an imposing castle, and after we had contemplated from the hills near Niedermoder the pleasing course of the little river Moder by the forest of Hagenau, I left my friend on her ridiculous coal-mine visitation, which at Dutweil might have been a somewhat more serious business, and I then rode through Hagenauer on the direct road already indicated by my affection to my beloved Zesenheim. For all these views into a wild mountain region, and then again into a cheerful, fruitful, joyous land, could not rivet my mind's eye, which was directed to an amiable, attractive object. This time also the hither way seemed to me more charming than its opposite, as it brought me again into the neighbourhood of a lady to whom I was heartily devoted, and who deserved as much respect as love. But before I lead my friends to her rural abode, let me be permitted to mention a circumstance which contributed very much to enliven and enhance my affection and the satisfaction which it afforded me. End of section 2